Hey, it's Travis. I wanted to take this moment to discuss our sponsor, BetterHelp. I used to think talking to a therapist was a sign of weakness until I started talking to one. It has really helped me limit the negative chatter that can infiltrate my brain. Therapy has helped me become a more insightful person, father, and husband. That's why I'm excited to tell you about BetterHelp. Their online platform makes finding a therapist incredibly easy. Fill out a brief questionnaire and you will be matched with a therapist in just a few days. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash thank you notes, betterhelp.com forward slash thank you notes, or click the link in my show notes. In doing so, you will be helping the show and you will receive 10% off your first month. If you aren't clicking with your therapist, if you're not getting a good vibe, BetterHelp will allow you to switch your therapist at any time with no additional cost. Online therapy is a game changer for me. I have such an erratic schedule. I work nights, weekends, late, early, holidays, you name it. Being able to video call my therapist from my phone in a call room, at work, or in my car, or whatever, it's extremely convenient for me and it allows me the time and the, the place to actually get my therapy in. So if you're struggling, if you need to talk to somebody, go to betterhelp.com forward slash thank you notes and they'll get you set up with somebody. This has been my thank you note to BetterHelp for supporting this show. Hi, welcome to the Thank You Notes Podcast. My name is Travis. I'm going to be your host. We've taken a two-week I hate us, but we're back. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. I write a thank you note to somebody from my life that I'm grateful for, and in exchange, they write a thank you note to someone or something they feel deserves a public display of gratitude. This week's guest is Kevin Weaver. Kevin is a native of Tulsa, Oklahoma, my hometown. He was my German teacher in high school and middle school. He is a lover of German cuisine and culture, Tai Chi. He's also a percussionist. He's a father of three and just a damn fine human being. So let's get to my talk with Hare, Kevin Weaver. Hare Weaver, thank you so much. Happy to be here. I'm glad to finally get on. So the last time you and I spoke, I think was, I think my 10-year reunion. So that would have been 2009. Been that long? It's been that long. Well, that may be. I think we've communicated through social media a little bit, but yeah, I think you're right. It's been a while. So this is uh, the Thank You Notes podcast. Uh, we saw, I always started off by asking, uh, are you a thank you note writer? I am a thank you note writer. I'm not always timely about it. I'm a, I'm, I do like to write notes, but I'm probably better at verbalizing that to people and saying thank you and but I do feel like if you have a chance to sit down and actually write something out or type something out, I guess, you know, there can be a thank you email or I think that you have some time to kind of formulate it. You still have a chance to, you know, really speak from the heart. Whereas if you just kind of talk off the cuff, maybe you don't really say everything you want to say. If you're going to send a thank you note, then, you know, I think just put a little extra time into it. Just kind of naturally, this is part of the process. It's not that you're more or less heartfelt about what you're saying, but sometimes it just comes right out. Like it just almost flows from your hand, from your from your heart to the hand, to the paper, to the, through the pen, to the paper. And sometimes, you know, you have to give it some thought a little bit. I don't know. It just depends. It probably depends on kind of where you are at that moment. Maybe it depends on how long you've waited. 
I think there is kind of a sweet spot where I think you, you give yourself a little bit of time to process it. And then, you know, you can kind of crystallize your feelings and make that heart to hand connection and really write a nice thank you. That's, you know, personal, heartfelt, deep and sincere. So, yeah, I try, you know, I don't try to write them as soon as I get the gift, you know, give it a day or two to percolate and then, you know, get, get at it. Now, Travis, you're right on the cusp of this. I feel like the last time I got a, a written letter or card of any kind in the mail was a birthday card from someone. The the written word is kind of a rare thing anymore. It's a bit of a lost art. And so when somebody does get a handwritten note or card or and not an email, not a text message, it really means something. It's really something special. You may not get another handwritten note for the next couple of years very easily, maybe longer. Not, not that we're looking for points here, but it, it shows effort, you know, that you you sat down somewhere uh, with a tabletop somewhere. You found some stationery, you found some paper, and you you took the time to. Right? We always have something in our hand where we can email somebody, right? I mean, this this phone doesn't get very far from any of our bodies, really. I think eventually we'll probably evolve hands with phones connected to them. But uh, you might have to look for a piece of paper, stationery, a thank you card, a thank you note, a pen. And stamps, you know, do you have stamps? That's always I a do. question here. <laughs> I do have stamps. You know, I'm not writing thank you notes all the time, of course. it's a, I make sure I have some stamps on hand. Of course, they go out of date every once in a while. I do. I have some right now. I, maybe I have some more notes to write. Now, you're a, you're a father of three, right? You have a daughter and two sons? I do. Do you make them write thank you notes? They're getting a little old for me to make them do anything. I didn't make them write thank you notes. I decided just to kind of encourage them to do it, that it would, how much it would mean to them. Were you in middle school at, at um, Cashel Hall? Yes, I was. Mrs. Elliott is somebody who made my kids into readers. I'll give her all the credit, but it was also, I have to give a lot of credit to the, some of the books that she chose. For my daughter, it was Anne Frank. For my sons, it was The Outsiders, which this seems to all make sense, right? Since then, they've been readers, and th- th- that just really turned them on. Now, I'll give Miss Elliot credit for the way she presented this and the way that, that they went through it and all that. But when each of my kids graduated, I made sure that they got in touch with Mrs. Elliot by writing her a thank you note, handwritten from all three kids at some point for, I don't want to say teaching my kids, but encouraging my kids to be readers. But anyway, your question is actually, did I make them write? No, but I pressed upon them the uh, probably the strong suggestion. I hadn't thought about Mrs. Elliot in quite a while, and she really is was a fantastic teacher. I'll have to ruminate on that some more, but she, I did read some of those books that you brought up in her class, and she was she was great. I I don't maybe she didn't doesn't get enough attention maybe for me or she was she was very good. I'm I'm glad you brought her up. She was good, and uh, she just retired. Let me see. She retired. Her last year was 2020. She caught the brunt of COVID as far as teaching went. I think she was done then. She was retirement age already. She just loved it, you know, and that she loved teaching. The first time I took your class was in seventh grade. I was in seventh grade German. Yeah. I don't even want to say what year that I think that was maybe 1994, maybe. Oh, my gosh. And then I took German every year from then till 1999. I continued it on into college. You you stuck it out to the bitter end with me. I did. Well, and, and you with me. <laughs> I think it got easier as it went on. Probably. <laughs> I hope so. 
uh, this is off topic, just brief. I think that um, probably not in 1994, but now at least I can see a Travis McVeigh in my class. Now, there's no one that's going to replace you, Travis, but I can see a Travis McVeigh type student in my class. What I really see is I see someone that reminds me of myself when I was in school. We, <laughs> You and I never bucked heads as far as I ever remember, but even if I do kind of get sideways with the kid, I know down deep down that we're, we're going to be friends like we're going to we're going to be okay together maybe not this year maybe not next year but we're going to get there because i know that we have a lot in common it's just we've got some kind of a, a teenage thing going on and we'll that'll work itself out and it always does and then i've gotten pretty good at picking out those students who i know we're gonna we're gonna connect at some point i don't, I don't know that we bumped heads but i start i would i acted out i think maybe i was a sophomore i i <laughs> I, I was acting out and just being a little okay. brat and you just sent me to the <laughs> principal's or brother Jack's office and you just had a talk with me. It's like, look, I, I know why you're doing this and it's, it's, it's not, I mean, it, it's funny, but it's not funny in this context, you know, just do the work in the class and you, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. I don't, I don't remember that incident, but as you say it, I remember that you had brought it up you know, whenever we maybe talked at some point in the past. And that sounds about the way I'd handle anything now, especially if it's somebody I can relate to. And I feel like I see a lot of myself in them. I, I, I do say that. I say, I get it. I understand why somebody's doing something. I could be boredom, could be just you love attention. I don't know. All those things I understand. But I, I feel like the best teachers, I feel like the best teachers, are the teachers themselves who cause some problems in school every now and then. Not the straight A students and the students who never went to the dean's office or anything. I don't know if Father Hamill was principal when you were there, but he would always say, I feel, he said, Kevin, I feel like you, you, you reach a lot of kids who other teachers don't reach. And I would always say, that's because the kids I'm reaching, you're talking about, are doing the same stuff I was doing. <laughs> so. so I wanted to ask you, how did you choose to learn German in the first place? What, what drew you to that? I always had a bit of an interest in it before I ever had a chance to take any, any, any class in, in school. And I didn't get a chance to take a language. I think I could have taken Spanish in middle school, but it was an elective and optional. And I, I, I didn't do that. I really wasn't interested in that. But then when you came into the high school, you, you had to pick a language then. We had um, French, Spanish, German, and Latin. I went to Memorial High School here in Tulsa. And my dad wanted me to take Latin. Latin will help you on the SAT, and Latin will help you if you decide to go to law school, which which is something I talked about doing, and it'll just help you with with your English in general. And I had no interest in taking Latin at all, so I had the form in my hand, and his advice was not just advice. It was make sure you circle Latin on that sheet of paper, and I, out of defiance, (laughs) but also I didn't want to take Latin. I circled German. I knew that's the one I wanted to take. And my dad kind of tried to talk me out of it and then said, no, take Latin. I just did the opposite. So there you go. There's some acting out right there. But then it came easy to me when I got in the class. And I I wasn't sure if the teacher was taking it easy on the class and kind of softballing us. But I I didn't do really all that well. I I didn't apply myself that much in any other classes. But German came easy without me having to apply myself too much. And I I knew, I recognized that I had some kind of connection to it somehow. I, I, I can't explain that. And my teacher, Jim Brown, encouraged that. He kind of got me excited about it. I won't tell you, because it wouldn't be true, that he 
encouraged me to become a German teacher. He did encourage me to pursue German in any way I could, and he, he helped me with some avenues to pursue it. But anyway, you know, it came easy to me, and I did well. I made great, really good grades on everything, and I, I figured out, no, he wasn't softballing the class or me. German was its not the easiest language to learn, but for some reason, it, it, it didn't seem too difficult. I kind of had the same experience. It didn't seem all yeah. that difficult to me to learn. Now, I've been trying to pick up Spanish for the past couple of years, and I don't know if it's just a function of me being older, but it's, it's a lot more difficult. For me, at least, German just—I don't—I don't know what it is about German, but German was was easier for me to pick up, and I guess it's been easier for me to retain because I'm still a much better German speaker than I am a uh, Spanish speaker. If you major in a language, they make you take another language for at least ten hours, credit hours. I chose to take French because I had kind of an experimental uh, teaching method they were going to teach by. It didn't click with me the same way German did. I could piece it together. And I could make, I made it to the class with a good grade, but it just didn't click the same way. I didn't have the same feeling about it. I, I, I wish that I did. I wish that French would have clicked and I took Italian and that clicked and I just could keep going, but it's not like that. So so then when you were in high school, I'm assuming that's the first time you took a trip to Germany? My, my teacher, when I got to my uh, junior year, he kind of pulled me aside and said, hey, you, you, you've got a real gift for German, uh, maybe for other languages. He thought I, ha- he thought I would have a gift for other languages too, but. <laughs> I never had the heart to tell him I didn't. but And he said there's this program through the German Teachers Association where you can apply and, and they'll have an interview process and all this. And you, you could go to Germany and you'd live with a host family and spend the summer there. And you would um, have a chance to really live there, really immerse yourself in it 24-7, go to school because they're still in school in, in June and part of July. And I just like, was on fire about that right away. And I said, yeah, I definitely want to do that. And so I went through the process and got a little bit of scholarship money to go with it to, from the program. And I went to the Black Forest. Uh, it was I think it would have been 1983, the summer of 83. I had a great family I live with, and I'm still in touch with them to this day. That would have, I don't have that thank you note, but that would have been a thank you note, you know, that I could have could have talked about because I did write a lengthy thank you note to the host family, but I wrote one as soon as I got back from Germany back in 1983. But I also wrote one maybe about 10 years ago, not a delayed note, but a note with a great deal of perspective. The family I stayed with, the mother especially, the mother was just wonderful. I didn't think so at first though, because every meal we had after it was over, she'd have me come in the kitchen. She'd hand me a magazine or a newspaper, usually a newspaper, and she'd have me read out loud to her an article. She would correct everything I said that was wrong. And then after I read it, she would ask me to tell, put the newspaper down and tell her what the article was about. In English or German? In German. So it's basically kind of summarizing, you know, what you, I had read and I'd only had two years of German, and I was doing pretty well, but it took me a while to reach that level. But I got there with her, but she was dogged about that. Like, that was routine, and you know how Germans are with routine. I, I didn't get away. Like, there was never like, well, let's take the day off today, or, yeah, after lunch today, we're not going to do any reading. She never said those words to me, except for when I went back a time, a few years later, and I visited after lunch, she said, I'm not going to make you read to me today. And that was a good laugh we had together. So, What town was this in? It was in a, a town called Schramberg, 
which is in the Black Forest. It's just kind of in central, in the central Black Forest, about an hour from Freiburg, which is maybe a better known city. Now, are you still taking students to Germany every summer? I haven't done taken any students since uh, COVID. The school we had this ongoing exchange with the, the school in Berlin since 1994. So. I don't know how many times, maybe maybe it was a dozen or more times I had kids there, and, and then those kids would come to our school. And then they got a new principal, and he wanted to hook up that, that school with this UK school, and that was going to be their English exchange. And then COVID hit, and then I've just failed to pick it up since then. So, so I don't know if you remember, I took two trips to Germany with you. Yes, you did. The first trip was to, I think we started in Heidelberg and ran around uh, Bavaria and Switzerland, a little bit in Austria. And then the second one I did in the exchange program to the Rheingauschule in Berlin. That's right. That's right. I forgot you were on that tour. You know, I never have done that again. I, I, I enjoyed all of you guys. And, and of course, the places are beautiful. I didn't like how kind of restrictive it is, those kind of tours. I It just wasn't my... Uh, I, I'm kind of a wanderer. You know, I like to have... have if I want to spend... 10 minutes somewhere or three hours somewhere. That's what I want to do. And that, you know, there was a lot of kind of getting on and off the bus and all that. So I bet you would say there was a different experience going. It was much different, but honestly, the best day of that trip was the day that we were in Lucerne and you just told all of us to, Hey, just hang back a little bit. (laughs) And we, we let the group get ahead of us. And then you said, okay, we're going to the train station. We're going to Interlochen. So you took us to Interlochen for the day (laughs) and it was amazing. That is right. Yeah. And we just kind of mysteriously showed back up again when the bus was leaving. Yes. Yeah. That wasn't that beautiful up there. I remember that train ride up there was, yes, it was. Yeah. I'll, I'll never forget that. Ah, that was gorgeous. So that was my first international trip. I'd never been out of the continental U.S. or anything. And I'm I'm certain that there's probably a lot of students that you've taken on their first international trip. What what kind of changes do you see in the students after the trip? What what happens to them? Most of them, there's a definitely a, a confidence that comes with their, with their language ability. So that's something I noticed in the classroom. Something that's less noticeable until you start maybe talking to the kids. They have just a different... They have a much wider perspective on the world, and they have a, a realization that hey, we're we're a kind of a small part of a, a big system going on here in the world, and in their mind, and they should think this. I know other people who live in other parts of the world. The other thing I know, Travis, is that, and you remember this in Berlin, they have a vast web of public transportation that runs throughout the whole city. I know every time I've taken kids there, they're going to need me for the first week or 10 days. And once they figure out how to get around, how to get to school on that public transportation system, how to get home, even if it's late, but once they figure out how to read the schedule, how to buy a ticket, how to whatever the system, whatever they need to do. And that's kind of a big deal, really. Like we don't have that kind of system here where we live. And that seems to me to be something that really gives everyone a lot of confidence. And by the time they leave, they're not even looking at the schedule anymore. They know the schedule. They're they're hopping on and off subways, in and out of buses, in and out of streetcars, in and out of elevated trains. And they know right where to go. But that doesn't happen. That takes a little while. It didn't take long, but it takes a little while. And that confidence they get from being able to move around a city of four or five million people 
that carries over into their life uh, as they come back to high school the next year or go on to college. You know, I distinctly noticed that the following trips I took to Europe and even other cities throughout the world that I learned how to navigate public transportation on on those trips and specifically that trip to Berlin. And even when I'd go to cities here in the U.S. or Washington, D.C. has a, a, a nice underground system. But, yeah, I, I, I always felt comfortable and I, and I like to getting around that way. So you know, that gave me the confidence to go and just explore different parts of the city just because I knew I could always get get back or get home. Right. And, and, and I guess I taught in a city that had a public transportation system like that, like if I taught in Chicago or New York, maybe that wouldn't be as big a deal, probably. The kids would pick it up a little faster, but it is a big deal here because of where we come from. It's also we have buses, but none of our kids really know how that works. For a lot of them, it might have been the first time they got on a, on a public bus, you know, and it probably was the first time for most of them they rode a subway. I don't know. It's like get your driver's license the first time almost or something like you just feel kind of free. Yeah, I took a bus to school every morning in Berlin. Yeah. And if I missed it, I'd had to take the uh, the S-Bahn. Right. Right. Well, that wouldn't be so bad, but <laughs> that wouldn't be so bad. All right, here, I'm going to read my thank you note to you. Oh, oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. All right, here we go. It's, uh, well, this is over phone, but it says, thank you very much <laughs> in a picture of a strawberry. <laughs> Dear Hare, it's hard for me to know where to start with this note. You gave so much of your time and energy to me during my high school days. You took me to Europe twice. You let me and other students use your home until the middle of the night to edit German week videos. (laughs) You made your humor and personality part of the classroom experience. 20 years after being your student, I can still hold a conversation in German. I sing the songs you taught me to my daughter at bedtime. You opened my world to international travel. I've been all of the all over the world since then, but I caught that travel bug from you. I could write out dozens of experiences I had had because of being your student, but I'll keep it brief. While I would be the first to admit that I'm a man of many faults, I do have my fair share of good qualities. I'm not exaggerating when I say I would not be the man I am today had I not been your student. I'm eternally thankful for everything you taught me and showed me. Danka Timo. Well, that's very touching. Um, um, let me tell you this. Uh, I'm, I'm better at writing thank you notes and thanking people than I am at receiving them. I don't know if that's a common a theme of your podcast or not. but I'm the same way. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, I appreciate those words. And I would encourage anybody, if there was a teacher in your past that was influential on you in some way, to let them know. Because if you don't let them know, they're not going to know. Uh, teachers don't do what they do for the money. So that, that means a lot. I appreciate that, Travis. Well, I, I appreciate everything you did for me. It's Well, thank you very much. I, I, I had a good time along with you. <laughs> yeah, I continue to brag to this day that I was champion of German in Oklahoma. I think it was in 1997. Yeah, I think that's I think you're right about that. I got a perfect score on the national exam. You did have a perfect score. That is true. <laughs> I don't think, and I know that, uh, I remember looking at the grid and there was there was only one perfect score in the state and we can narrow that down then, right down to you. <laughs> well, Hare, what, what, do you have a thank you note that you'd like to read? Believe it or not, my thank you note is to my own German teacher and it's a posthumous note. If there's any lesson in that, it is to do what you're doing. <laughs> And make sure not too much time goes by before you send a thank you note. 
because uh, my German teacher passed away. I wrote this note and I sent it to his wife. I had kept in touch with his family. And so this is kind of my scratch version of it. And that, this is not the, obviously not the actual note that I sent. I went through a process when I write, but I'll do my best to read it through here. So his name was Jim Brown. And I said, Herr Brown, <laughs> my note starts like yours did. Where to start with this? I've started this thank you note many times, and it never seems to be sufficient. The impact and the influence you've had on me and the direction of my life and the most impactful events of my life, you're a part of those. You encouraged me to go to Germany back in 1983. I went. I took the risk to Germany with no one that I knew. It ended up solidifying my future and my career eventually. I remember telling someone in Germany that I wanted to be a German teacher. And that was the first time I had actually said that out loud. But I think it was the first time because I realized it while I was there. You stayed in touch with me and I stayed in touch with you as I began teaching. Then you moved to Dallas and we lost touch, unfortunately. I would still check in on you through other people I knew who were living closer to you and also some people who were a part of your church congregation. My German teacher was a Presbyterian pastor. I was grateful for all of your constant encouragement. I was actually in Germany with students when I found out that you had passed away. I found that to be quite poetic. I was headed home in a day and a half. I touched down did a load of laundry when I got home, and then got in my car and drove to Dallas for your funeral. And the funeral was at one of the churches where you had served the longest. And at a funeral, you have a chance to learn things about people that you didn't know before, because people tell you things. And I found out more things about you. One thing I found out was that he had, as a younger man, he went to TCU, and he graduated, and he was married and had two kids. And he was in a bad car accident, and those two kids had died in the car accident. And he survived. He has a daughter who he had later. And But I didn't ever know that about him. I didn't find that out until his funeral. He never mentioned it to me, and, and that you recovered from that emotional blow. Thank you for, for it all, for all the time. Thank you. And thank you so much that I don't know how to say thank you anymore. My life would be different without you. Wow. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the circle has been completed. Well, I felt the same thing when I heard your, your message. I, I think it has been. I think it has been. It's teaching's a, a special thing. And especially the high school level, you get to really connect with people. And, and there's some students who connect better with others. Okay, Aaron. Last question. What's the status on your relationship with Vim vendors? Have you guys managed to link up yet? I met Vin Vendor's wife. Okay. Now, she doesn't know that I'm using her to get to him. I'm just kidding. He remarried for the fifth or sixth time. I don't know. He's been married a few times. I found out that his wife was a pretty well-known photographer in Germany, and she had her own website, and I went on beautiful photos, and I got an email address there, and I just emailed her and said, yeah, I'm a fan of, I'm become a fan of yours, and, and I, I know your husband's work. Anyway, she answered me right back. And uh, we started communicating, and I told her, well, actually, I'm headed to Berlin this summer. I'll be there. She said, oh, well, uh, do you go to church whenever you're here? And I said, yeah, I do. And she said, well, here's where I go to church at. Come to this church, and maybe we'll have a chance to meet up. Well, better believe I was there the next Sunday, and I 
she didn't show up till the third Sunday I was there. And luckily she popped in then and I got a chance to meet her and talk to her for quite a while. And that's the closest I've gotten, man. Been with this for 30 years now. But you wouldn't believe it though, Travis. Just this morning, I was talking to somebody about them vendors and I haven't talked about them in a little while. So that's so strange you bring that up. Well, I really like his movies too. And that's another thing I have to thank you for. But Hare, I'm, I'm sorry. I got to I got to cut it off here. I've I got to go tend to a child. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. I'm happy to do it. I really enjoyed it. It, it meant a lot to me. I really appreciate it. It meant a lot to me too. Let's keep in touch. All right, Travis. Thank you so much. When I came up with the idea for this podcast, I made a short list of people that I knew I wanted to have on. Hera was on that list. I'm so glad he came on. I'm so glad I got to catch up with him. Please rate and review this show five stars. Leave me a voicemail. Chavez's dad left me a voicemail, and if I get enough of them, I'll make a mini episode and play some voicemails. It was nice to hear from him. Please follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, all that's in the show notes. And I'm really glad you're here. I'm really glad to be doing this again. And we'll talk at you sometime soon. Thanks. A rich man's world.